Welcome to Almost Agreeable. Almost Agreeable. With your hosts, Chris Nellison and Ed Harris. Hang around and listen to opinions on sports, Sports. movies, Movies. music, music, and whatever else pops in our head. And welcome back to another episode of the Almost Agreeable Podcast. I'm Chris. With me, as always, is Ed. And we have a guest in today to help us talk about Star Wars, to continue our, you know, saga of of Star Wars episodes. I think this is part four. Yeah, it's the second trilogy we're going to get into. Right, the prequel trilogy. We're finally starting that. uh, We've gone ahead and covered A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi. Uh, We had guests for all three of those. The guest we have today is Paul... Paul's brother Pete was on our Empire Strikes Back episode, so we got a kind of a family thing going on here. They're both both big Star Wars nerds. So hey, Paul, how's it doing? How you, good. How you doing? <laughs> good, good, doing good. Excited to be here and talk a little Star Wars with you guys and wrap a little bit. Well, I knew that once you know uh, our IT department and our production supervisor had reached, you know, as soon as she reached out to both you and, and Pete, I knew you guys would jump off the opportunity to talk about Star Wars. So. Didn't think it was going to be a problem get you in the room. No, not at all. One of my favorite subjects. So, yeah, I think I think it's funny. Um, I, we say this probably every time we do a Star Wars episode, but the first one we did, we had intended to do the original trilogy in one episode, and then it became obvious that that was not possible. We didn't realize mm-hmm. how childish that was. Yeah. We were like, oh yeah, we can talk about all three movies in forty-five minutes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was stupid. And so now it's just this kind of evolved into this is part four i imagine before we're done with star wars there could be 10 episodes we have so much to cover especially with mandalorian um season two starting last week um and season or episode two coming on here pretty soon yeah so but you know without further ado let's let's jump right into the uh, first star wars film in the prequel trilogy the first star wars film that was made when we were alive yeah uh, Ed and myself. Uh, Paul, of course, you were alive for the original trilogy, correct? That is correct. Yeah, so we got kind of two generations of perspective here. I really enjoy that. Like, usually when we have uh, other millennials in here, it's it's pretty... I wouldn't say that the focus is narrow, but it, it's a little skewed, I guess. We're, so it's great to have you in. Let's jump right in. We have this opening crawl that's... Well, first of all, I guess we can talk about how excited were you? Like, how excited were you, Paul, knowing that a new Star Wars trilogy was coming? Never originally thought it was going to happen. I mean, we waited 16 years between Jedi and Phantom Menace. So there was rumors that it was going to come out. That circulated for quite a while. And then when it was finally really happening and uh, Lucas was going to take control of it, that was very exciting. Yeah. Very exciting. And 16 years is a very long time being an avid fan. So uh, there was the EU, the expanding universe, so you just had to read books and had to keep up whenever you could. Right. And you didn't really have the technology you had now, so... I, I can't really think of anything, I mean, I guess not off the top of my head, that's like that. That was like a very established series, and then, you know, 15 years later, almost two decades later, they come out, they're doing then, again, another trilogy. I can't... That was, you know, successful in its own right. Mm-hmm. I, I just can't think of another story off the top of my head that did that. 
Oh, it's it's held its ground for so many years, and it's still you look at today how popular it is. Well, and it's to become now such a such a machine. Like obviously, you have that gap, and then you you kind of obviously you always heard rumors. You knew something had to happen eventually because you know you had episodes four, five, and six already out. So you're like, okay, one day this is going to happen. And now we fast forward twenty years, even from when Phantom Menace came out into 2020 where Disney now owns it and they're just putting out Star Wars like it's fucking Halloween candy which has been good and bad we can get there eventually as I said I want to narrow our focus back to Phantom Menace so just like I said we were talking about how excited you were how excited I know I was like as a kid you know in the early 90s watching the original trilogy and being a kid and wanting to be Luke Skywalker and then getting ready for a new almost a new set of heroes heroes that have been established in lore but we've never seen in live action as, as opposed to like you know, you have Vader, but in this one, he's Anakin. You have Obi-Wan, but here he's youthful. And so, I mean, opening crawl for me, for Phantom Menace, if we can jump there now, is that cool? Oh, yeah, yeah, let's let's hit it. Let's opening crawl. Jump into that opening crawl. It immediately kind of, to me, I was like, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? What are tr- what kind of trade disputes are happening? I don't, I was confused. I was also like 11. <laughs> Not understand the, the political intricacies of... That's what I was saying, right? Like, you know, you think about, like, their crawls from the original trilogy. It's it's pretty, like, here's some need-to-know shit, okay? The Empire's chasing these guys. they got to get away. He wants Luke. And here we are. Yeah. There's, like, ten people that you really need to worry about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very confusing when it first comes out because, the yeah, the openings comes out. You're like, okay, well, all right, let's just jump right into it. And you're kind of waiting to see kind of how it's hashing out and how it's transforming out and you do get there uh looking at it i was just going into it the biggest thing was darth vader's story that's how you're going to look at it right and that's what we would expect right you'd expect this to be essentially since original trilogy was anakin's redemption story that this would be his downfall story right and then but you know i don't want to get that far yet but we don't meet anakin until like an hour and a half into the film maybe maybe 45 minutes maybe not an hour and a half it's definitely not one of the intro characters no because we get introduced right away to obi-wan kenobi and a new jedi that we've never heard of right qui-gon jinn played by liam neeson just gotta say that i mean liam neeson brings a lot of clout like he wasn't as popular as he is now back when he was casted in that role i would say he was in a few movies but he hasn't he hadn't been in taken like he wasn't the badass that we knew he could play in movies quite yet, um, mm-hmm. but he was still like a sage older character that, yeah, he, that you could buy. You he, could buy into him. He gained the widespread like notoriety with like Taken, with everything like that. But he had still done a lot before that. He did. He did. And so getting into Star Wars, it's 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 like they had you know when they had old Ben in right Alec Guinness. Yeah. Yeah. When they had him in the original trilogy, it's like, okay, this guy carries some weight. Like, he has actually, like, classical acting ability. He knows what he's doing. Right. And you can, mm-hmm. I guess you can kind of say the same for bringing Liam Neeson into the fold. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So there and are, he did a great, great job with it. I, I agree. I mean, they even brought his character back, uh, obviously, as a, as a Force ghost. Spoiler alert. Uh uh, as a Force Ghost, like in the animated series, and it's voiced by Liam Neeson. I don't know if you guys know this, but like in the Clone Wars, when he's his ghost character, it's Liam Neeson doing the voice. So they brought him back a lot because it really resonated with a lot of fans. So we have Obi Wan and Qui Gon. They're going to negotiate with the Trade Federation because they're they're having a blockade of the planet of Naboo, which really looks like I don't know. It could have been maybe they just changed it to Alderaan and it makes sense. But Naboo, new planet, looks like Alderaan, not Alderaan, new planet, Naboo. 
and they're going to go ahead and do some negotiations. And immediately, they, they don't even have any negotiations. They, they, never, get, they, they never get happened. gassed. They n- it never happened. They never it never took started. place. The negotiations were short. So we get our first lightsaber action, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which, I guess, something everyone's probably waiting for, right? You knew coming in that with the technology and you know choreography, you were going to see some badass laser, laser sword fights. I, I mean, I didn't think... That wasn't something that I had thought going into it, though. You know, like, watching the original trilogy, it's like everything is pretty slow. Of course, it's slow in comparison, but, I mean, partially more realistic because it's not just a lot of flares and a lot of, you know, jumping around and everything, but it's a lot more calculated. It just is slower. So coming into The Phantom Menace, you're starting to see a lot more flashes, a lot more flashy fights overall. And it's just it just has a different vibe. It's it's a lot more actiony. Did you get that like a different vibe? Seeing like way different vibe. I mean, right off the bat, they're on the ship, they're off the ship, they're on the planet, and it's just going, going, really, really fast. It's pretty quick. It's, there's no really established Luke took forever in episode, you know, A New Hope. So you're establishing a good storyline. You're kind of slow, like you said. You're slowly kind of getting into it. This one was. Bam, 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 bam. Right, you get thrown right into the action. I mean, so they, they escape the uh, droid control ship, right, and they stow away on separate ships. Can I ask a question here? How the fuck did they not, like, how did they, did they not think, like, that maybe these ships are going to the opposite sides of the planet? But no, conveniently, they're going to go ahead and meet up, like, in some forest. Yeah, worked out perfect. They use the force. Now, I'm being nitpicky, but, like, I'm going to be nitpicky. I love these films, but I'm going to be nitpicky because some of this shit doesn't make sense. You can do that with any movie. Uh, what do you mean, every movie makes sense? We're not talking about sense. any movie right now. We're talking about The Phantom Menace. Okay. We only have so much time, I think. Yeah, I think you would have to expand on that. Make well, the... the force told him. Anyways, we can move on from <laughs> yes, that. Yes, exactly. And then, and then we meet uh, one of your favorite characters, I think, right? Um, a Gungan. What's his name? Uh, gosh, what was his name? <laughs> Do you not want to say it either? What? Uh, who's, who's that big Gungan? Boss Nas. Boss Nas. Boss Nas. Illmatic. <laughs> so you meet Jar Jar, yes. And this is where... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is where I start having an issue. Because... <laughs> okay, first of all, they didn't have the CGI like they did back then. Everything was models. They blew up the models. It was practical effects. Yeah. Practical. Now you're seeing, which was unbelievable effects if you watch the movie, the ships, the monsters, everything. Jar Jar just uh, did not make any sense at all. <laughs> it still doesn't to today. I but mean, my son, who now I'm sharing this ex- Star Wars experience with, loved Jar Jar Binks. Well, yeah, you got to so. think about it that way. Like these were supposed to be kids' movies. So, like, you ha- you bring in this political drama in the opening crawl, these these negotiations over trade disputes, but then you introduce a character that's going to keep the kids captivated, right? And that is Jar Jar. That's what he's there for. He's the comic relief. Not as not as comic relief as fucking C-3PO was, because that's, like, ultimate comic relief. Like, <laughs> um, But, like, Jar Jar, he's silly. He's, he's silly is a good he word. He's silly. He's fucking silly. I, I never, I mean, going through and watching it, like, I never had 
like hatred for him or just like what is he doing or I don't understand it. But I was also like, yeah, Jar Jar. I was just like, oh, I don't know, this guy's weird, you know. And I I didn't realize the immense hatred that the internet has and many people have for Jar Jar Binks. Like until I started getting on the internet, I was like, oh my god, he is so hated. Yes, like, that poor guy like quit acting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he, he I, yeah, a lot happened with him. Yeah, it's a sad story. I don't have any hate for Jar Jar, but, like, I don't like the character. Like, I'm not going to hop on Reddit and, like, fucking shit on him, you know? I don't, I don't need to do that. That's not something that's my prerogative. Yeah. But, but I do have problems with the character. Just because he's silly. I can go back to that word again. He's fucking silly. Unnecessary. There's a part we're going to get to later that, that he really he's involved in that really doesn't make any fucking sense to me. But let's stick. We're on Naboo still. Okay. Okay, we meet. Uh, we get to meet these other Gungans. There's a whole civilization under the sea, right? And Obi-Wan's trying to tell this dude, like, hey... You guys form a circle here. Whatever happens up there is going to affect you eventually. You guys should, you know, I don't know, do something. And they're like, get the fuck out. Like, Take, nah. yeah, Got to use some Jedi mind tricks and get out of there. Qui-Gon does some questionable shit with the Force, but we'll, we'll, we'll you know. Yeah. It, well, well, what do you mean? Just for starters, okay? He, like, pretty much just swindles his way to get a ship from Boss, Not, Boss Nass. Later on, he influences the dice so he can have Anakin. He's just like, he's doing questionable shit with the Force. Oh, like, credits will do fine. Like, motherfucker, I'm about to pay you with dirt. And if you were a Tridarian, a Toydarian, then I could go ahead and make this happen. But because you have some kind of Jedi mind block bullshit because of your species, I can't. But I was going to. I was going to rip you off. Yeah. Questionable shit. Sorry. It's, it's for the greater good. Sure. It's for the assist. Yeah, it's just... Sure. Anyways, like I said, I'm getting ahead of myself. We're still on Naboo. Well, the Gungan City was very cool. The whole technology they had. It gave you another world within a world. So them exploring all these different worlds was kind of cool. Yeah, this is where like the expanded like universe, if you'll use that term, started to become explored. Right? Like in, in the original trilogy, you had a few different places. You had Tatooine, you know, um, and or... Alderaan, maybe, the Death Star, whatever. But here's where we start getting into glimpses into like the universe as a whole, right? Because eventually we end up on Coruscant. We're on Naboo now. We're going to be on Tatooine. We're going to hear about other planets, like the Outer Rim, mm-hmm. different species like the Gungans. and it, it just becomes more exotic. That's exactly the things that I was going to say. Like Whenever you're in the original tril- trilogy, you're going to like Bespin, you're going to Hoth, you're going to all these different places, you see a couple different creatures. You're seeing some different civilizations, but it's all still like bipedal like human based and then in the phantom menace not even counting the rest of them we're seeing all of these different styles of civilizations and it really does make things feel alien mm-hmm. yeah more like because it is star wars right it's set in a galaxy far far away which you'd expect these extra extraterrestrial beings and then we get to the capital and we meet you know the queen and she's kind of weird um she's kind of weird she's kind of weird she's kind of like very monotone and i don't know Anyways, we meet the queen. And then the Jedi, they rescue her. That's, Jar- a, that's a fair statement. Yeah. She's very... She's, she's, talks like a robot. Almost. Yeah. You don't know how to gauge her. You're just like, is she mean? Or is she like, just like regal? Or I don't know what's going on. It's also Kira Knightley. Yes. Yeah. Let's not forget. For a little bit. Here and there, it's Kira Knightley. For, yeah. yeah. Here and there, it's Kira Knightley. And the Jedi rescue her. Jar Jar's there, I guess. And they escape... And they get on a ship, and they're going to get past the blockade. There's the blockade. And this is where we get first introduced to a character that's in literally in every film um, of this saga. 
Do you know who I'm talking about? R2. R2, yes. R2, very good. I knew you. Yeah, yeah. I knew you knew, but he was uh, quick on the jump for <laughs> that. And uh, we see that he was just a droid that was on this ship, you know, in case the... the... Shield generator's been hit! And then he goes out there and fixes it. And all the other droids get fucked up. Like, toast. Like, big time. Yeah. Can I ask, like, if you have a shield, how does your shield generator get hit? Uh, it wasn't on. It was, so it was exposed. So then it got hit. So then you should probably generate it. See, these are questions I want to ask George Lucas. <laughs> Do you feel like you're going to be happy with an answer? With any answer? Do you feel like you're going to be happy? No, I'm, losing, I'm being a dick now. Like, I'm just, like I said, I'm being nitpicky. Okay. I'm being an asshole. Okay. I just had to ask that question. But I really do. I'm curious. But we, we can move on. Any thoughts on that, Paul? None at all. I think there was a lucky shot. <laughs> Somewhere. And once again, they're in peril. Yeah, they're in peril. R2 saves them. Classic R2. It's fucking G. Always. So they do not have enough gas or whatever energy stuff to get to Coruscant. So we have to go to this the desert. The center of the universe in the Star Wars universe. Seriously. Tatooine. Yeah, for real. Yeah. yeah. Tatooine is the center of the universe as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, no, it's, I agree with you because Luke can talk all he wants about, like, if there was a center of the universe where the planet farthest from, bullshit, motherfucker, we're always on Tatooine. You yes. guys must be in a central-ass location. Yes. Outer rim my ass. Yes. I, I think when it comes to the Skywalkers, you're always going to have Tatooine, no matter what. Yeah, well, even fucking the Mandalorian's been to Tatooine a few times. We won't get too deep into Mandalorian. That'll be another episode. We'll do a full um, coverage of that later. But I mean, yeah. in every extended universe, whether it be a feature, a TV series, Tatooine has been in the middle of it. This desolate planet, which yeah. is just pivotal for some reason. It's yeah. always back to Tatooine, yeah. like you said. Always, always back to Tatooine. Yeah. So they land on Tatooine. Qui-Gon's got to go procure a, a new shield generator, essentially. And he's going to go into Mos Eisley, right? Mos Eisley? Is that where he's going? And he's going to take R2 because he has the uh, layouts of the ship. And for some reason, he leaves the two most logical people on the ship. That's Obi-Wan Kenobi and Captain Tanaka, the head of security. They stay. They send a handmaiden, quote-unquote, Natalie Portman. Yep. And Because the queen wanted the exactly. handmaiden to, to go. Right. This is your first kind of hint. I don't know. I was a kid, so I didn't pick up on this. But I imagine like as an adult when I watched it, I was like... Oh, yeah, I kind of figured, like, she's probably the queen. Definitely not. No? For me, absolutely not. I was just like, I found out, I mean, way later, I was like, oh, snap. And, and then it all made sense later. Hmm. But definitely first time watching through it, I was just like, why Why would you think? Like, yeah, she, of course, you would want to send somebody trusted to her to go out and explore and see what this guy's doing out there when he's actually... Because he does questionable shit with the force. So that's... I'm just saying you'd want to send your trusted advisor, not yourself, because, you know, you're a queen. Send them out there, see what's going on, so they can report back to you what it is. I'm not thinking that, like... Yeah! There's a clue. It's there. It's in in the subject. Listen, fuck all that. It's not not fair for you to say that after you've seen it. (laughs) Fair. Okay, you know who else goes on this fucking excursion? Fucking Jar Jar Binks. Oh, Jar Jar, yeah. The old Jar Jar Binks. He's everywhere. Why? He, uh, you can't escape him. Why is he going? Yeah, so he can step in the doo doo. He's that's the doo doo. Yeah, keep an eye on um, 
So Qui-Gon maybe keep an eye on him or something. Maybe they want him off the ship. Get him, yeah. yeah get they're, him, they're, hey. We're trying to fix this, yeah. you know, if he's messing around with anything. <laughs> he could lose his guy. You can tell that Obi-Wan's very impatient with him. <laughs> so maybe, yeah. they take a vote. They're like, hey, you gotta take this motherfucker. Like you're saying, yeah, we might lose him in the desert. We now. might lose him in the desert. Oh, whoops, something happened. Uh, what happened? Wait, didn't you leave with uh, three humans? Or three humanoids? He's like, yeah. Uh, we lost one. He's an amphibian. He didn't do well in the de- in the desert. He got fucked know. up by Sebulba. Sebulba exactly. fucked him up. <laughs> See, another thing Anakin did wrong, bro. He saved fucking Jar Jar. Anyways, we'll get there. All right. So they get into town. They uh, they go into a shop, one of the smaller shops that Qui-Gon suggests, the smaller dealers, and they go in, and we meet Anakin Skywalker. We finally meet him. He's this little boy. He works. He's a slave. Working on a droid? Working on a droid. Um, and Qui-Gon and Watto, they're going to go look at parts. We introduce to Anakin. We find out that he's a slave. We find out that he's, you know, um, gifted mechanically. And he's right away in love with Padme. She's an angel. She's an angel, yes. She's an angel. And this is pivotal, because this is where these two meet. Leading and up to greater things. Greater is a, is a word maybe we could use. But also, like, <laughs> the downfall begins here. The, maybe of, the downfall. Of, of the galaxy. Of the, ga- <laughs> of the galaxy, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everything that happens stemmed from this moment. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. So, but very, very pivotal in the Star Wars universe. Oh, huge, huge. Definitely. Huge. Definitely. Easy to kind of overlook if you're not paying attention. If you just want to see, like, you know, lightsabers and shit. It's easy to kind of overlook that. But it's a big moment. So, again, Qui-Gon trying to swindle Watto. Can't do it. For some reason, the Jedi mind tricks don't work on Tridarians. And they have to leave. So, they're going to get caught in the sand. Well, first, they walk past the shop. Jodra does some dumb shit. Throw some food at Sebulba. Sebulba's like, hey, I'll fuck you up. And then Anakin comes and he's like, hey, don't. 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 Starts talking to him. Yeah. He's like, hey, chill out. Yeah. We'll take, we're good. So, saves Jar Jar. Damn it. That was our chance. Qui-Gon was like, fuck. That was our chance to lose him. Almost got rid of him. Almost got rid of him. I love Sebulba, by the way. I, just a badass character. He is a badass. He was so awesome. They actually go it uh, that whole species. Um, I think they're like they're called like Dugs or something. They live on a planet, and there's like a whole episode arc on Clone Wars about their planet, like um, during a war. So pretty cool. They're not all assholes like Sebulba. <laughs> there, there's some pretty cool ones. But he took a little sting out of the Jar Jar. You know what I mean? Jar Jar was kind of silly and goofy, and then here comes Sebulba, just totally badass. Yeah. You know he's gonna choke Jar Jar out of his life and you're like, okay. That, this guy's bad, but yeah. I kind of like him. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Anakin takes them in. We find out that he knows uh, about Jedi. He thinks that they're invincible, essentially. And um, Qui-Gon learns pretty quickly that this kid is blessed by the Force. A little, he's, he's special. Yeah. In, in some way, he can just feel it. Mm-hmm. I mean, immediately. And it gets to a point where Quagwan finds out that... Well, we get introduced to the theory of midichlorians. And I don't want to spend too much time on it uh, due to our time constraints here. Midichlorians is something I can harp on another time. But we find out that Anakin, in fact, has more midichlorians than Master Yoda. So he's, you know, destined to be very powerful. And this is where Quagwan makes the decision, like, hey, oh, we need, we need, this boy needs to come with us. He needs to be trained. He needs, well, he asks his bring... mom about the his, father. Yeah. And there was no father right he was a virgin in the force they like to say 
mm-hmm. and uh, just kind of manifested by the force. Now you start getting very biblical with that because because of Jesus, just born of nothing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, this is where we kind of get into where pod racing, one of the coolest parts of the movie, in my opinion, um, a pod race was badass. So he's gonna race his pod. Qui-Gon does some shady shit, and he, he bets the fucking freedom of Anakin, but can't get his mom. It's whatever. The pod racing scene is badass. pod racing scene was probably my favorite of the whole movie. Yeah. Just when it originally came out, the like I said, the, we didn't have the CGI back in the original ones, so seeing a pod racing like this was just phenomenal. I remember being in the theater as young as I was, but like just like the sounds of the pod engines, like in the theater were just like oh yeah. you could feel it in your bones it was badass it was awesome and that spawns so much i mean one of my favorite games of all time is the nintendo 64 like pod racing game that game that was, game is fantastic that game's awesome it, it was hard i was young and it was, <laughs> that was not very good i was always crashing into shit losing every race so that's yeah but yeah no fun game nonetheless and um i don't want to spend too much time like i said we have we have a lot of movie to cover still but any uh, final thoughts on the pod race uh, Anakin uses the Force, you know, he's, 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 he's just a great racer, like, he really, he's a great pilot, great, like, he has the instincts to be able to do all of right. this. Right, we see instincts. that, we see this finally, because this is something that Obi-Wan alluded to in the original trilogy, he's one of the greatest pilots I've ever seen, and this kind of the building block of that, like, we see his instincts and his reflexes and all that. Well, and you see him use the Force, too, in the race, when, Yeah. Uh, you probably know the name of the part, but... He's trying to get the part, and like oh, the coupling, yeah, the coupling coupling falls out. Yep, pulls it right on over while he's still maintaining the pod. Yeah, (laughs) so he wins the race, he wins his freedom, and we're gonna go ahead and we're taking him to Coruscant before the Jedi Council. So before we even get on the ship, though, we get a surprise visit from one of the most underused uh, villains of all time, in my opinion. Right, we get Darth Maul coming in hot, and can we mention how cold blooded Darth Maul is? Because he was just gonna run over Anakin. Yeah, in, yes. in, immediately. That was just. Yeah. He's like, I'm here to kill Qui-Gon, but I'll horn with this little motherfucker. Hold on. Yeah. I'm just going to kill his kid just. <laughs> just because? Yeah. yeah. I'm going to hit you right now. And so uh, we have a little duel. <laughs> you could tell that after the fight, uh, Qui-Gon is like, fuck, this dude was for real. It's no joke. Like, he's all out of breath. He's like, he was very well trained in the Jedi arts. Like, he's trained in the arts. Because so, yeah. at this point, the Sith are, are extinct. To, to ge- general knowledge is that they're extinct. Correct. So, you know, they didn't even use that word yet um, until they get to the Jedi Council, right? We get to Coruscant. Uh, we find out that the, the Senate is not buying Queen Amidala's story. They don't think that that's really happening, the invasion of the Tread Federation on Naboo. Um, and she puts in a vote of no confidence for the Chancellor. And this is part of the grand scheme of things for, as we introduce to Palpatine, the Senator from Naboo, who actually, I don't think we find out in this movie, but it's... I mean, do we know that he is ever? I, I, I think if you follow Star Wars, it's, you know. You know that Palpatine is mm-hmm. the Dark oh, Sidious. You know, the very first time he comes on screen. I don't think if you knew or seen the original ones, you don't have any idea. No. Right, yeah. Which yeah. I wish I would have known because that makes it so much more of a surprise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. Definitely. But so kind of yeah. going into it, you're like, Oh, yeah, there he is. Right, and by his logic, right, he's going to be nominated, you know, he's going to be, uh, be nominated to be the new chancellor. So while that's going on, uh, Qui-Gon, he goes ahead and takes Anakin before the council, and we introduce to uh, Yoda, 
Mace Windu, some other Jedi Masters on there, Kyadi Mundi. They trade up. We're like, dude, no, he's too he's too old. And you already have a Padawan. And you already have a Padawan. And like you could tell, Obi Wan's a little bothered by this too. Yeah. He's like, bro, like I'm your Padawan, like. I'm. I'm still. I still am learning. You know. I still would like to get fully trained. I, I wouldn't want to have split attention. Like you know, right. I want to be adept as a mm-hmm. Jedi. And mm-hmm. he does get a great vote of confidence from Qui Gon, though. Qui Gon's like, he's ready for the trials. Like, there's not much I can teach him left. Um, he can do it. But. But in the sense, even with Obi Wan and the rest of the Jedi Council, they're seeing something. They're not seeing what Qui Gon's seeing. Qui Gon's like, this is a. This is the prodigy. This is the the kid, and they're all like, hmm. you know, not really, but hey, let's roll with it. We'll see what happens. Right. It's like because when they're talking about it later on, Qui Gon and Obi Wan, he's like, the council senses it too. Why don't you? Like, there's mm-hmm. something off about this kid. And I mean, at this point, he's a kid, so like, yeah. you know, you don't. As a general viewer of the film, you're like, this is a little kid. Like, you know, he's fine. Whatever. He's just. It looks like an innocent kid. Uh, we don't get angsty fucking Anakin until Attack of the Clones. But anyways. Would, would you say that the council was more... Would you say that Qui-Gon was more blinded to what Anakin could become than the council was more blinded to what he could become? So, like, in in the sense of the council has very strict rules. You know, it is the Jedi Council and it's you should live this certain way. And Qui-Gon was kind of, he always towed the line. Like you said, he does questionable stuff. So he's, he always kind of towed the line. And I've talked with Chris about this, that I feel like Qui-Gon was probably the person that Anakin needed most mm-hmm. to be able to not become Darth Vader. Darth Vader. Yeah, and who knows if Qui-Gon would have trained Anakin Anakin. It would have turned out differently, but I think Qui Gon wasn't on the council. No, and because that's another thing Obi Wan says, he's like, "You could have been on the council ages ago, but you keep defying them." Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's like, yeah, it goes back to what you said. Like he's always been towing the line. He does questionable things. He's not like a rogue, but like he's definitely like not a traditional Jedi. Definitely, definitely, he he's definitely not that traditional. Like following the Jedi code to a T, like so strict about life, and not you know coddling trying to coddle Anakin, but definitely he's a person. He's understanding, and I think that's what Anakin needed, but the Jedi Council is very adamant on their code. Right. It's. I would call them, I would say, like, compared to Qui-Gon, they're all stiffs. Yeah. You know, they're very traditional. They're very set in their ways. They're almost lack, like, humanity, in a sense, because of their vows that they take. Mm-hmm. So, like, Qui-Gon has those, like, he has empathy. He has understanding. He has emotions. And not in a sense that it's going to turn to the dark side, like, you know, he's still a Jedi. But, like, in the sense that, like, he can... He would probably be able to train Anakin better than anybody else in the Jedi Order at that time. I mean, we meet other Jedi in the extended universe that, you know, are great. But, like, yeah. as far as the characters we're introduced to in this film, Qui-Gon was probably the guy. And we don't get to see that through. Yeah. Uh, eventually, like, with, you know, Qui-Gon says, fuck y'all. I'm going to train him. I'm doing it anyway. Yeah. So. And, uh... He's coming back with me. Uh, the queen's gonna go back to Naboo and try to liberate it herself, which also doesn't make sense. But don't worry, I'm not gonna get into that. Um, any thoughts before we leave Coruscant? Well, that's true. I mean, she has to go back because she can't wait for the bureaucracy and the votes and the everything else. Mm-hmm. So she's, I think, like Qui Gon, she has to set her own path. She just has to go and do what needs to be done. Right, and she's desperate. Right, like, so, 
Yeah, hundred uh, percent. I can agree with that. Um, you know, obviously, seeing the film, we know what ends up happening. But like at the at just at first glance, it's like, how how are you going to do this? Like mm-hmm. even Qui Gon says, like I can't fight a war for you. Like I, you know, well, I'm here. To, I can protect you, but that's it. So they get back to uh, Naboo. We bring Anakin. Uh, Jar Jar's excited to go <laughs> to go home. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and um, we find out the queen's plan. She's going to appeal to the Gungans, and she's going to use Jar Jar for this. She got this idea um, on Coruscant, asking what happens, what happened to the Gungans. They have a secret place, and like they have an army and stuff. So they get back there and they go to appeal, and this is where we learn the big reveal. Yeah, that the queen that's been in the movie the whole time is actually a decoy, Kira Knightley. That the real queen's been running around doing whatever she wanted with Qui Gon with these Jedi just experiencing. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's kind of badass, too. No, that's that's dope. That's dope. And at this point, like, well, she's like 14. At the, uh, Yeah. Yeah, she's young. She's like, a teenager. Well, Natalie Portman, when they were in front of the council, was the queen. Mm-hmm. She was the queen. Yeah, yeah. she had dressed so up. So you and... get to see Natalie Portman, mm-hmm. but you can't really tell it's her. Yeah. Because of the paint and stuff. Because of the paint, but that was Natalie Portman, and then... And they go back to the Gungans, kind of the same deal on the handmaiden looking me all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the uh, the Gungans agree, like, okay, cool. We'll fight with you. Let's do it. Misa like the Naboo now. <laughs> 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 so uh, they Gungans they have some fucking amazing technology. They have some weird technology. Like this some random shields on some giant creatures randomly. I don't maybe it's not random, I don't know a whole lot about Gungans. They got some big old EMP balls. Yeah, they got the the, the blue balls out there calling them. Yeah, Here's I'm, a blue ball. It's it's weird technology. It's it it works. It works because you're fighting against droids. Yeah, like if it not, was a human army, what what? what not do you bad do? weapons for underwater creatures. Yeah, yeah. I guess yeah. a primitive a primitive <laughs> uh, species. Would you say? Would you would you think they're primitive? Ah, I wouldn't say primitive. I mean, they they do live underwater. They have built. Huge cities and like civilization yeah. underwater. Okay, maybe not primitive. Just different. Different, just, and th- and that's just one of the things that I like. It is so different. It's so foreign that you're just like, I don't. This is super weird, but I like it. Okay, um, nothing, so nothing you've seen before. Yeah, they could be primitive compared to others, or they could be way more advanced. Maybe in the grand scheme of things, in like the Star Wars universe, maybe they're primitive. But like to me and you, like we're primitive. They're more. Like Gungans are more advanced than we are. <laughs> they're more advanced than Tusken Raiders. Yep. 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 Great analogy. Perfect. I like that. Perfect. Good, good. So they get ready for battle, right? They get their shields deployed. They, they're chilling, waiting for the droids to come. They Eventually, this is part of the plan. They're drawing the droid armies out of the capital. And then this is when Queen Amidala and the Jedi are going to infiltrate to capture the Viceroy and force him to sign a new treaty. And I said it like that because that's what she says. Sorry. No, that was perfect. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so they get in, um, and at this point we have a few different things. This is one thing I think that I don't, I'm not a huge fan of it. It was whatever when I was a kid. Like, I, I loved every second of it because I was younger, but, like, as an adult looking back, there are four different things happening in this, like, sequence. You have the uh, showdown between the Gungans and the droids. You have the star fighter battle because they're trying to take out the droid control ship. You have... Uh, the, the lightsaber battle between Obi-Wan, Qui-Gon, and Darth Maul. And then you have the Queen trying to get into the throne room. Yeah. And it's all just jumping, 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 jumping. And some of it's comedy, some of it's dark, some of it's exciting. And it's all just intermixed together. And, like, it's just a whole lot. 
like packed into maybe like a 20 minute segment. Yeah, it, it's a lot going on. We get some really iconic moments from that section as well. Right. We have Anakin going up to go help when he's just a child. Yeah. He's like, oh, they said to stay put. All right. All right. I'm, I'm going to stay put I'm staying out in here. The cockpit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm yes. staying I'm in the cockpit. And then we have, I mean, one of my favorite scenes, moments of any type of cinema ever is, you know, they're fighting Darth Maul and his lightsaber extends. And then the other side. Then the other side. Right. That's like when the door opens yeah. and the beginning of um, A Duel of Fates starts playing. Yeah. Which is one of the greatest. Uh, I mean, John Williams, obviously, we talk about him a lot. But from like the entire saga, this is one of my favorite scores from it. We'll handle this. We'll take the long way. Iconic. Yeah, so that yes. song starts playing. The door is open. Maul's there. He lights up one side of his lightsaber. You're like, oh, he's dead. And then this one comes out. You're like, well, holy shit. Padme and all them are going to go, we'll take the long Yeah, way. they're like, uh, <laughs> he has like, ah. <laughs> yeah, like, we'll deal with this. And they're like, we got to find a new way. <laughs> and Qui-Gon in that looks a little uneasy, but Obi-Wan looks like. He's fucking ready. All right. Young wolf, ready yeah, to go. Yeah, he young looks wolf. fucking ready. And he's been like that forever. I mean, I don't want to talk about the other movies, but if you think of everything that Obi-Wan has done throughout the movies, well, it's yeah. unbelievable. And even the extended his, universe, like within the Clone Wars and uh, stuff like that. His decision-making has always been just immediate. Whatever he wants to do, he just does it then. Yep. Exactly. And he was fucking ready, and they start doing battle. And it looks like, essentially, this battle, for the first part of it, is, is Qui-Gon and Maul. Yeah. Essentially what Maul is doing, he's like kicking Obi-Wan away. It's like, yeah, kid. But he's like, fuck go, off, kid. Going back to the, really the other lightsaber, as a lifelong Star Wars fan, because you, you had a little bit in the first three, you know. He right. gives Luke this yeah. lightsaber, he opens it up, they kind of fight. He had a little bit better fight in the second one, and it starts evolution, you know. And then this one, when you see the other side go up... I'll tell you, goosebumps all over my body. Just, <laughs> this is probably the coolest. Of course, now they can do anything. Flip and, you know. All right, see yeah. right. All that but it must have been such a moment. Seeing that, just like, that changes the game. Like, you're, you're just using this lightsaber as this one type of weapon. Like a, yeah, yes. like a sword. Exactly. And now it's exactly. essentially like a, like a, a staff. There's a name. That, there's a name for that weapon. I don't know what it is. Yeah. I'm not a historian. It, it, it's, it, and, it, and like it, it, you knew he meant business. Like you knew, like oh fuck. Yeah. You know, if somebody can wield this weapon with proficiency, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Right. That's a very. And big he problem. was amazing. Like he obviously was very gifted in the, the force, um, whether he's a dark side user, so whatever. But he was. I mean, he was. He took them both. Like he kills Qui Gon. Like he wins that duel, and he gets cheap shotted. Essentially, not cheap shotted, but like. He gets cocky, right? We're gonna we'll go ahead and jump to that. Like Qui Gon dies, it's a very emotional moment, but we barely have time to process it because as soon as those shields go away, Obi Wan's fucking ready. He's right in there. He's it mm-hmm. almost is kind of scary because you know he was. I'm not gonna say he did tap into the dark side or anything, but like borderline, like if you think about it in terms of the Force, like he's probably pretty close. Well, yeah, I mean he he just sees his master die, and then. I mean, I was worried. Like, he goes in there, like, of course, you know, it's a movie. There's a, a, a hero. The good guys usually win. But, like, 
one just died. One just so died. You, and that was, you know, the quote-unquote better of the two. It was the right. master. The master. Mm-hmm. So you're, I'm, I'm, he runs right towards him, and you're definitely worried for what's going to happen. Right. I mean, obviously, knowing that he's in episode four, five, and six, uh, that he's going to be around. But also, I, yeah, you still get a sense of, like, anxiety a little bit. He runs in there. The choreography is really, is really, I would say, not overdone, but it's really good. And they're battling, and then Darth Maul fucks him up, too. He, he fucking shoves him down that shaft. Yeah, almost falls down all the way Wasn't down. Wasn't for this little peg. Uh, we don't get fucking episodes... And we don't get any more Star Wars. Like, that's it. Anything yeah. else. That's it. So, meanwhile, that's happening. You know, the, the the shields go down for the Gungans. And they are getting fucked up by the droids. They eventually surrender. They're walking around surrendering, which I don't know why the droids are taking prisoners. This is weird. Uh, I'm pretty sure I can quote Darth Sidious saying, wipe them out. Wipe them out. All of them. But they're taking prisoners. Anyways... Uh, Anakin, at the same time, is going to go ahead and accidentally blow up the fucking droid control ship because he flies into the hole. Yeah. Right. He destroys that. Droids go bye-bye. Ship explodes. He's a hero. He's fucking awesome. And we go right back into Obi-Wan hanging out in the shaft. Because And uh, if, if this is an important note to make, that uh, Darth Maul had the high ground. Mm-hmm. At first. And then. And then. <laughs> He did have the high ground. He had the high ground, but Obi-Wan tried it, and it worked out for him. It worked out. And that's when he learned his lesson. He's like, you know what? I can never lose when I have the high ground. I learned my lesson. That dude fucked up. I'm never going to be cocky like that. If I have the high ground, that's it. That's it. I'll burn you. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, pretty much at the end here, right? We defeat, we stop the Trade Federation. They're done. So, final thoughts before we, we leave off on this film. It was good. I mean, the whole sequencing was good. Like you said, there was four different things kind of going on at the same time. It was good. Anakin's was, you know... I always pictured young Anakin as this dark, broody, you know, little kid, you know, quiet. Right. You know, like... But here he's kind of... Hey, I'm going to hit this button and see what happens. Oh, I'll try oh, spinning. Oh, That's a cool trick. He's a little kid. He's boisterous. Yeah. He's just having fun. He's, he's not a moody... You know, he's dark. not. He was very... Yeah. Innocent. Very innocent. Yeah. Yeah. Innocent. yeah. And and that is... You know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So you know, like, if, if you... Well, I mean, I, I guess at this point you don't know what caused him to fall to the dark side. So you're just like, how can this person... Like, what happens? What pivotal moment happens... To this exactly. child who is so bright and like full of youth and exuberance and just saved everyone, really. Like, what happens to him that puts him on this path? Right. And that's, I think, the exciting thing to see in the next coming ones is how did this fall take place. So, right. as far as a opening movie, this was, you know, it was a good tone to set for the next The rest. Couple. And then, you know, obviously, you know, I don't want to glance over this, is that they tell Obi-Wan, okay, you can train him. Yep. Right, so... And he's like, wait, I, I don't know if I'm ready for that, but, like, I'll do it. He's like, oh, I promise Qui-Gon. Yeah. Right? I'll promise Qui-Gon I'm going to do it. And he's dead set on it. He's like, I'm going to do it. And he does, and so we get we leave off the movie with that, is that now Anakin is Obi-Wan's Padawan. Everything is set. Everything that's been established, essentially, like, in lore from the original trilogy that's been mentioned briefly, is now set up. We have a Padawan and Anakin, Master Obi-Wan. 
we have a, a villain, Darth Sidious, and, you know, the sky's the limit from here. Like, you know, we have two movies to delve into what the fucking downfall was of this character. Yeah, yeah. It mm-hmm. perfectly sets it up. It's just that intro of all of these characters, not all of the characters, but some key characters that we know, and then it leaves it just really not wide open, but it leaves a lot to be developed for what is to come. Right, right. So definitely not my favorite Star Wars film of the saga, but probably ranks like number out of six out of six out of six it's probably number five i'm not gonna lie it's it's not the worst what's number six attack Attack of the the clones Clones? dude don't disrespect attack of the clones like that the only reason attack of the clones is like maybe redeemed is because the clone wars series that's it anyways that's a a conversation (laughs) for another time i think it's time for hot route everybody's favorite segment hot route hot route you ready for hot route, Paul? Let's do it. All right, I got them. I got three hot routes for you guys. So we've been talking about all these characters. Like there, we have so many pivotal characters in the original trilogy. We have great characters in the prequel trilogy. And one of the characters we've been talking about is so extremely pivotal. He's been only in this one. It's Qui Gon Jinn. So what would you say Qui Gon's most influential moment is? I mean. Maybe to Anakin, Obi-Wan, the Council in general. Like, maybe you don't have to answer all of those, but like, what's what are a couple of his most influential moments? I mean, throughout the entire saga. Pivotal in the thing is, I think, when he's talking to Obi-Wan and he's like, you got to live in the moment, you know? And so, you know, I, I, I think there's some concern to Obi-Wan why Qui-Gon's not on the Council and why he's not like the others and I'm under you and I want to see you on the cancel and this is the way it is, this is the way Jedi's are, this is the way the system is, why why are you doing this? And he's trying to explain to Obi Wan, hey look, you know, there's one way to do it or you can live in the moment and and I think it was a good introduction of what it means to be a Jedi instead of being part of the Jedi. That's perfect. I like that. That's yeah. Uh, for me, it's, I mean, obviously, uh, I'm going to be real obvious, it's its finding Anakin. I mean, it's its a big moment, obviously, like, without him finding you know, this virgins in the Force and deciding right then and there that he was going to train him. Even though he died, like, he still got him, out of, got him off Tatooine, defied the Council, made Obi-Wan promise, like, all of that, all of uh, his, his the, the things he did to set up Anakin to be trained as a Jedi probably the most influential thing like if not even just because it, the whole saga is about Anakin but like even if it wasn't even if this whole prequel trilogy was about Obi-Wan it's still pivotal and it, the most influential thing to me that he that he found Anakin definitely definitely good answers boys all right hot route number two so I mean we have it's it's the first episode of a new saga of a new series we have new planets new universe and it's or I mean, it's the same galaxy and everything, but you know, it's a different time. So, what was one of the most exciting things? And I mean, we might have already covered it, but what was the, one of the most exciting things that just felt different, or was, or really just wowed you? Well, for me, it it has to be the fact that like this is a republic, like there isn't like a an empire. There's no stormtroopers. There's no like grand armies. There's this whole fucking Senate chamber where all these fucking planets are here and they meet and they discuss issues kind of like what we have in this country, like a Senate. And that's, you know, that's completely different. I mean, we heard it alluded to, like, 
before the dark times, before the Empire, like there was a Republic. The Jedi's were the guardians of, you know, peace for thousands of generations. And it's like, we see that. Look how many Jedi there are. In fucking the original trilogy, we, it's Obi-Wan and Yoda and Luke. It's a couple. It's a few. In this, we get to see the Jedi at their full strength. That was pretty exciting to me. No, same, yeah, because when you watch the originals, it's pretty much bits and pieces, and uh, your father fought in the Clone Wars, and Darth Vader killed your father, and there used to be a Jedi's and Clone Wars and all that stuff, so this is the beginning of, there's a whole bunch of Jedi's, there's a whole, you know, it's not just Vader's the leader and it's the Empire. Now you're seeing the Senate, you're seeing the Jedi Council, you're seeing how it's kind of unfolding out. Um, new worlds. And like I said, you're seeing a whole bunch of new CGI that's never been done before. And uh, you see some familiar characters, you know, C-3PO, how he was made. Oh yeah, we, we didn't even talk about <laughs> The Maka. And then you see R2, you know, so you see some familiar names. And uh, so it kind of ties it in a little bit, has some familiar. familiar. Uh, you see Obi-Wan when he was young. And uh, so it was, it was different, a little bit different there. Because now you're kind of seeing this background to your family's history. Sweet. Deep. Deep. Well, yeah. You guys got into it. I like that. Yeah. The third one is not... As deep. Okay. It's okay. It's, it's, it's not. Surface level. Uh, hot route number three. Do you, be, do you believe, Shmi? Do you believe Anakin's mom? <laughs> yes. He's born of the force? <laughs> Sounds pretty sketchy. No. He said no. <laughs> and uh, Papa Palpatine came in and was like, hey, girl. Who's who's Anakin's daddy? It was some junk traitor. Is, is... One night. So that's my question. Who's Anakin's daddy? It's Palpatine. Palpatine, Papa Palpatine came on to Tatooine, <laughs> and he was like, "Sup, girl?" This, right. back, this is back before he had a scrotum face. Young True. senator from Naboo, like coming. Hey, man, I'm a senator. This is back before senators couldn't have sex, apparently, because that's I, what that's all that I Pat believe. Says. I believe he was born. She was just born. I guess that way. Metaclorians. How? I'm not too sure, but... Darth Plagueis. Hey, you never know. Ooh, but the, the answer to who is Anakin's daddy is Obi-Wan. Because he just wrecks him. Because <laughs> he had the high ground. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, that is, uh, that's all the time we got that's today. There's some good hot routes. Um, stick with us, right? We still have a few movies to go, and I'm sure we're going to dive into some of the extended uh, universe series especially absolutely the Mandalorian one of these days. But uh yeah, that was fun. Uh broke ground on the prequel trilogy. So, uh Paul, thank you for coming in. Yes. Like I said, I always love thank having you. people in, especially people that, you know, have a maybe a different perspective than Ed and I have. And in this regard, you were alive for the original trilogy, so you have a whole different wave of emotions which we can't convey from ourselves. So, I appreciate you coming on. Oh, for sure. Thank you. And uh, <clears throat> look to have you back in the future. I'm sure you'd love to probably do a Mandalorian episode as well. Lots to talk about. <laughs> so uh, with that, as always, I'm Chris. I'm Ed. And this has been Almost Agreeable. Thank you for listening to another episode of Almost Agreeable. You can catch all new episodes on Tuesdays and Thursdays. If you enjoyed the podcast, please like, rate, and subscribe. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Almost Agreeable.